Hey, hey, folks. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of Trost Talk here. Uh, we got a great episode in store for you. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Also, follow me on Instagram at Trost Talk. Um, but first, my buddy, Pablo2020. All right, all right. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Trost Talk. Uh, it's episode 41. So far, not many listeners, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, man, uh, big thing on the docket today uh, happened in my life. Um, had some sour Skittles the other day. Uh, kind of... Love-hate relationship there with Sour Skittles, you know. Uh, it's one of those things where they're amazing until you had more than 10. And then your mouth just feels like you were just tortured by forcing of battery acid down your mouth. Like, my, especially now that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not old, obviously, but, like, I'm getting older, um... Sorry, folks. Uh, dog licked me in the face this morning. Nose is a little stuffed. But uh, it's like... Anyways, back to the sour skittles. It's like... Honestly, now that I'm a little bit older, it's... Now my teeth hurt. Like, I remember them getting, like, tender at night and stuff when I was little. But, you know, now they hurt for, like, four days after I have sour skittles. So that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty intense. It and what's weird too is because they're not like any other sour candy either. Like you have Zowers, for instance, which is like the sour Mike and Ike, right? You know, gets your gets your jaw hurting at the back. You know where your jaw gets all tender in the back of your jawline. Um, kind of gets like a little pressure point there. You know, Zowers will give you that. Uh, you have you know even like sour punch straws shockers you know they're good stuff that are sour but they don't make you miserable it was like skittles came out with their original pack which is just was a killer og pack and then they had their wild berry pack which was the purple bag their tropical didn't do too well i i that's the blue bag the purple bag in the originals are great and then they had sour skittles but they were like let's take warheads and battery acid and put it in our skittles and sell it and see what happens like they're great but then they (laughs) and then they're like and then let's cover them with razor blades so when they suck on them their tongue gets fucking destroyed uh that's really kind of like i feel like how sour skittles came to fruition um and it's awful. I think there also might be crack in there because it's like, you know, after 10, you hate them. But how many of you have only had 10 sour Skittles, right? Like it takes till your mouth is just incredibly sore or the bag is empty for you to stop eating sour Skittles. So uh, maybe have the FBI look into that. Um, 
boxing's been going well. Have another sparring session coming up soon. Um, it's going well, and it's great because I had it for you know. I kind of like real reason I wanted to do it is you know kind of been seeing the world go crazy. And I know I'm a generally a decently big guy, but so most times in my life, I haven't had a real problem uh, with people. Plus, when anytime somebody did go past, like they would call my bluff on my size of like not being able, they'd be like, I don't give a fuck how big you are. I'm still going to fucking hit you. Like my only self-defense was like acting like I didn't hear what they said. And I would laugh and act like they were just told me a joke. And then... You know, you're like, dude, you're a cool guy. You're like, what? How you doing? And you just start talking, and they can't really be mad at you because they're like, oh, this guy has no idea what's going on. <laughs> so they're just like, oh, this guy had no idea what I was saying, and I just took it the wrong way. Reality is, you just ignored them and acted like they said something else. That was my only defense. So that's why I took up boxing. Uh, you know, wanting to be able to, if I ever had to, someone, you know tried to fight, I would be fine. Um, that's the point of me taking this. Uh, so I enjoy it, though. Uh, getting better at jump rope, I guess that's the big news there. Is now it's getting a little casual. Um, so that's fun. Um, let's see, what else? What else? Not much. Um, oh, this happened the other day, and this was just, this was just uh, hilarious. So I follow this porn star on Instagram, and she went to a wedding of another porn star, which many of you probably know, Riley Reed, and. So I did some snooping and I go to this girl's page and I start going through her like story of her getting married. And it's just exactly what you would think <laughs> of a porn star wedding. It was like a bunch of dudes in, uh, you know, sequenced and see-through shirts. Uh, there were, there was not, there was more skin than dress on many of these women, uh, showing, so, you know, it would be like what you would think a porn star wedding would look like. Um, and it was just kind of, I don't know, it was just a, a weird thing to even just look at. Because you were just like, this is, ex you're like, if I could have just thought of this in my head, this is exactly what it would be like. Like they had trapeze artists, they they did the whole, whole nines. Um... Man, what else? Wore my... Went out to dinner the other day. Got to wear my Air Jordans. Um, yeah, my buddy, shout out Del Bene. He actually got me into Air Jordans. I was never a big fan of them. Not that I didn't like them. I just never, like, really... I don't know. I, I always... I, I really don't know. I just never really paid much attention to them. He started talking to me about them. And then... I started uh, looking at on StockX. Bought, so now I have a few pair of Jordans, the, the moral of the story. Uh, 
Now I have a few uh, pair of Jordans. My favorite pair, obviously, that I have is the Space Jams. Uh, for many of you white listeners, that you might think that was like Spanish or something. No, Space Jams uh, type of uh, Jordan shoe. They're Jordan 11s. Um, ones he specifically wore in, well, in the NBA and in the movie Space Jam. But, um, I love them. They're, they're good shoes. And the thing about Jordans too is you can actually wear them to nice places because they're nice shoes, uh, if you keep them nice and clean, uh, especially Space Jams. Um, but the thing I hate about them is like, You obviously don't want to crease them. And so it's just really hard to also like like act tough. <laughs> like if my girl wanted to mouth off at somebody and he was like, yo, you better control your bitch. And I'd be like, yo, what'd you fucking say? It's kind of hard to act really tough as I'm like walking very gingerly over to him so I don't crease my Air Jordan 11s. Because, like, I, I love you, baby, but, like, I'm still not going to crease my Jordans for you. Um, so that's the only problem with it is it's really, really fun. <laughs> like, I, I look like every time I'm walking around, I look like I just recently sprained both my ankles and I don't want to put a lot of pressure on either of them. But I'm trying to make it through and go to dinner. That's how I walk. Anyways. That's kind of what's going on in my day. Um, as always, merch in my bio. You can go to Teespring. Trost Talk is the uh, store. Go to Teespring, or you go to my uh, Instagram page. It is on my, it is on my, uh, it is in my bio. Uh, my boy Pablo, he also set it up. So if you want to buy a shirt, and then you're like, yeah, I really want to listen to another episode, which I know you do. Uh, all right there, right after you buy a shirt, just back out, boom, podcast on all my on all my uh, platforms. I'm available on. Apple Podcasts. I am available on Spotify and SoundCloud. Please subscribe to the show. Also, follow my Instagram. Um, shout out. Uh, I was going to say Europe, but all of them aren't from Europe. Specifically, I have a new Australia. Big shout out to you. Uh, maybe take care of your crocodile problem. You guys might go a little higher up on my list. Uh, you might be thinking, what crocodile problem? And you goddamn know what crocodile problem. Just get rid of them. And I may come to Australia at some point in my life. Um, but I think, honestly, you guys really should focus on that. Just getting rid of your crocodiles. Uh, I love animals. Recently saw a poaching video that made me kind of see red uh, I love animals but we can make crocodiles go extinct in my opinion uh, they've had a good run 65 million years I think think we're good uh, we don't need them they're just dickheads uh, 
So again, just get something started down there. That's all I'm saying. Um, Belgium, Germany, England, Russia. How you doing? Thank you for still listening. Um, very, very surprised. Uh, particularly you, Belgium. You've been there forever. Uh, so shout out. All right. Well, let's start into it today. Per usual, sticking to my bread and butter right now. Uh, let's turn into uh, some football slash soccer. Uh, we got the Euros. Uh, I'm going to review the games that we had. Let's go back to that. Now, I think I did pretty well on calling these games, to be honest. Um, come on. I got the Sweden game right. Uh, I might have even gotten the Croatia game right. I did not get the England game right. It was kind of close because I said I think I said one nothing for the England Scotland game. Uh, hilarious that they got a draw though. Uh, England once again just Englanding it up. The, they have no business drawing with Scotland, so it's just it's the same story. It's been the same story for the last twenty fucking years with England. And you can hear my frustration. I'm not even, like, I'm talking shit about England, but, like, I want them to do well. They're like this. England's like the New York Knicks of the NBA. It's just always better when they are better. Like, when England's top tier and they're playing well, it makes international play just a little more exciting. Same with the Knicks in the NBA. Um... Sweden won nothing over Slovakia. I'm not entirely surprised. I thought Sweden, even though they drew with uh, Spain, I thought uh, was rather good. Oh, I also do. Oh, sorry. I actually, Ukraine and Macedonia, I got almost right. I thought, I was surprised Macedonia scored. Uh, Belgium, I got the game right, not the score. Uh, I thought the Netherlands would win. So... And then Sweden, I wasn't surprised that they won. I know it was only one nothing, but I thought they could win. Just they, they played Spain pretty good. Um, oh, I'm guessing my my girl just got home because I can hear my dog's tail smacking against the wall. Um, very disappointed in England. Um, Croatia, check that was. It's not great. I think that's not great for Croatia. We're gonna we'll talk about that in the group play in a minute. I just want to review some other games. Uh, France, Hungary. Now, France, Hungary. They drew. France still top the table, but uh, now with a game left with Portugal, it's a must win. Because let's be honest, Germany plays Hungary. I think we all know Germany's going to win Win that. Germany's looking good. Um, now you might be thinking, oh, well, they had two, own, like two goals were own goals. But both goals, the second one, not so much. The second one was a bad deflection, but he was just also late out of place. He gave up halfway through the play, which is weird. It was like he thought it was going in, and then he realized they hadn't shot, and then he tried to make a last attempt save and ended up kicking it in. Um I mean, both their own goals were caused by just insane high pressure and great play. Um, <clears throat> so, 
you know, I mean, they really, they may not have scored those two goals, let's say, but, and let's say they don't even, but they don't even like, if it was, wasn't touched by Portugal, they, they get the contact and they don't score the goal. It's not even guaranteed that they would have scored, but they were point being is they were putting a lot of pressure on Portugal and Portugal's first goal was on a great counter. It wasn't like, you know, they found a hole, they exposed a weakness, they were playing good. Um, they were just feeding into an area, had some great plays. It was an incredible counter, but, you know, it is what it is. Then Spain, Poland, uh, Marata doing, again, it's like, you know, they kind of answered the question of who's going to score in the middle for them, but only one, and I think they even had the ball for a high, once again, for a high-level percentage of the time. Yeah, 69% of the time. And they get one goal out of it. Like, come on. <clears throat> like, come on. That's ridiculous. Um, That's their problem, though. Um, But, so the Portugal game, I, I, you know, I thought, honestly, I thought Germany just... I, I thought Germany dominated them about the same level, even though they have two own goals and everyone would be like, well, if they just didn't, those two bad plays, it really is 2-2. It's like, no, they they were kind of just single-handedly killing Port- Portugal. And I'm a Ronaldo fan, so and I, I would love to be biased. Um, actually pretty relatively nervous for how they are going to be in the next game. Uh, I will get into that a little bit later. Um, want to keep reviewing. Like I said, called it, uh, Italy, Wales, that they were, they pretty much had that locked up. They do move on to Italy. Only won one nothing. Switzerland got their got three goals. Uh, one back. Turkey did get one back on them. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Wales, Italy going on to the round of sixteen. So I did call that. Um, I, you know, I'm telling you, I think Italy's. They're they're a very good dark horse. They're playing hot, you know. But it's going to be interesting too because you get into these, uh, you get into these, um, into these uh, games where after you've dominated like for every time, and then you finally have some. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some, I guess, apprehension, but basically some resistance that they don't really know how to like fight through it. Um, So we'll see like when they finally get tested, how they can kind of keep their head. But as we speak, it is Monday. Um, As we speak, Austria has a one nothing lead over Ukraine, which then puts them in the round of 16 uh, unless Ukraine can probably, they probably have 10, I imagine about 10 minutes left, anywhere from seven to 10 minutes left. Um, they can pull one back. They move on. 
as you would imagine, the Netherlands absolutely massacring North Macedonia, three uh, nothing right now. Uh, and then we have a big game. The next two games today are big consequences: Belgium, Finland, Denmark, Russia. Uh, Russia beat Finland, so they Finland has to win over Belgium. What Belgium's already qualified, so what are they going to do? Are they going to slack off? Are they going to actually play? You know what? What are they looking at? I imagine Belgium because play time is just going to be ma- like it's just going to matter. Like I think they'll be more concerned with getting cohesiveness than scoring goals. But I imagine they're going to play their best players, um, and then they'll probably sub them out early if they can get their three best players off, but or have them be subs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I imagine they're gonna win this probably one nothing, two nothing. Uh, Finland's obviously gonna try and win. Um, I'm just thinking about it because I'm like, you know, the way the way I think Finland wins this is Belgium comes out, they're focused on just trying to kind of like get some continuity. Finland takes an early lead, and. Uh, you know, they take an early lead, park the bus, try and get a leg up on them. Belgium, not they kind of like just kind of cruise, trying to find a win, but not forcing it. Um, so, and then you got Russia, Denmark. I think Russia wins. Obviously, Denmark's just a little beaten up. Um, they might be playing a little inspired, but. I think uh, Russia wins this. I think Russia moves on too as well. Now we got Tuesday's games. Czech versus England. Croatia versus Scotland. I'm going to take the Czech. I think Czech, uh, I think Czech wins 2-1. England should win this, but I'm just not convinced on England after this. Like, yeah, they got a one nothing win uh, over Croatia. They drew with Scotland. They're clearly showing that they don't have real abundance to score. Um, I'm che- I'm taking the check two one. Croatia Scotland. I think Croatia wins. I think Croatia wins. Uh. One zero, and so England has four, Czech has four, Croatia has one. Croatia really needs England to win, I think. That's an interesting one. When I go to a review, I'll pin that too. I'll talk about that. And then Wednesday, big consequences too. Uh, every game matters Wednesday. <clears throat> um, Sweden, Poland. I think Sweden wins this. I think Sweden. Sweden's going to win one nothing, or it's going to be a draw 1-1. One, one. 
Um, Slovakia, Spain. God, you just don't know with Spain. I mean, they could dominate again the whole game where you're like, they should have won this game 2-0, but they're going to draw. Um, one nothing Spain. 2 nothing Germany over Hungary. Um, and then... Two one. Okay, so I think two one France, but because I'm going for Germany, it's going to be a two one win for Portugal. All right, so now on to standings. Let's do some reviewing. Russia wins, they're in, or if they draw. If they draw and Finland draw, they're in, or they win. Um, as it goes right now, Austria, Netherlands, they're going to be moving on. Uh, congrats to the Netherlands. Okay, so here's what we have. For Group D, the Czech is in first with four. England's in second with four. Croatia's in uh, third with one. Scotland with zero. Now, they play Scotland. Say if they beat... They want to ideally beat Scotland 2 nothing, because that would put them at uh, a goal difference of one with four points. Um, I think England... loses one nothing yeah Croatia if Croatia wins if Croatia wins two nothing they have to score two goals because I think I think that's a very likely possibility that Czech will win one nothing um England should be winning I mean they should. But more than likely, we're probably going to see England and the Czech go on. Now, Group E, we have Sweden, Slovakia, Spain, Poland. Uh, Sweden with four points, Slovakia with three, Spain with two, Poland with one. Now we have Slovakia and Spain, or Poland playing, Spain and Sweden. Or No, sorry. Sweden and Poland playing. In Slovakia and Spain playing. So this is a huge opportunity for Spain. If they beat... Wow. This group is still completely wide open. Because if Poland beats Sweden and Spain beats Slovakia... Then you have 5-4-4-3. Which then puts... Wow. I think Sweden's going to win, though. So I think they're going to be at seven, and then Spain's going to go and beat Slovakia. So we're going to have Sweden and Spain leave this group. That's my prediction. Um, 
Slovakia is in second, so Slovakia even just draws. They just have to draw with Spain. God, okay, so check this. So Slovakia draws with Spain. They're at four points. Spain's at three. But if Poland beats Sweden, Poland goes to four. So then you have three teams with four points. All three of those teams would probably go on to the round of 16, though, because I don't think there's going to be another third-place team with four points. Maybe Group F with Portugal. Like, if Portugal ties with France, Germany wins, Portugal probably... Portugal or France will probably go on to the round of 16. Switzerland's probably going to go on the round of 16 too as well because they got four points. Um, there And that would leave room for one more, which would probably be either Ukraine, Croatia. If Croatia wins, they probably would have four. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I think we're more than likely going to see three people from Group E go on, uh, but... Maybe. We'll see. Uh, the lot Group B is wide open. It's kind of interesting. Those will be fun games to watch. But I suspect we'll have Sweden and Spain move on. <clears throat> and then we have my favorite group, Group of Death, uh, Group F. Uh, big games. I think we're going to see, obviously, Germany beat Hungary. So that'll put them at six in top of the group unless France wins. Um, France-Portugal, big, just big game right there in general. Portugal needs to draw or win. They definitely need, so they need to draw or win. Uh, if they draw, that'll get them at least a point and opportunity to go to the round of 16. I'm not con I'm not too convinced three points will get them in the round of 16. If it does, it barely will. Um, I think I think them having five goals helps a lot. Um, yeah. Um, I think Germany, Portugal are going to go on. France, I think Group F is also going to have three. <laughs> All right, on to the NBA. Um, so quick talks. Uh, first Nets-Bucks series, that finished over the weekend. Um, what a great series. Um you know, it didn't fall apart that, you know, the Bucks did win, like I said, but it didn't go the way I thought it would. I mean, let's be honest. They kind of, they lost this game due to Kyrie getting hurt, James Harden not being healthy. It wasn't because I didn't, you know, because I thought Kyrie and KD would kind of fall apart. KD actually stepped up bet more. Uh, when Kyrie went down, uh, KD really he, he played well, man. Like he played well. He showed that he's probably the best player in the NBA. Um, now, what I do think happened is the door is now still officially open. Giannis left it open to still be the goat, to still be one of the greatest of all time. If he wins a ring this year, he'll be twenty six, twenty seven with a ring, and he still has room to develop. But here's the thing: he made great adjustments throughout the series. 
He really did in game six. He had 40 points doing what I said. He stayed in the post. He stayed in the post. He played in the post. He's still taking too long the free throw line, but he's he played in the post and he pretty much just stayed there. And he just said, you're going to have to stop me because I'm going to get to the rim. And I don't mind, and I don't really take, like, I don't count these as jumpers. If you're doing a 10-foot, 12-foot fadeaway turnaround jumper uh, from a post position, I don't really consider that a jumper. I consider that a post play. Uh, but he's doing that, like, where he'll, he'll go into the middle of the paint and then he kind of does, like, a little half floater about 8, 9 feet out, 10 feet out. Perfect, man. That's perfect. That's right That's right where he could be doing it. Um so, yeah, I, I think he played really well. He's passing the ball well out of situations, out of double teams. Um, he used his size against the smaller. He's They're like, all right, you want to play small ball, we'll put Giannis at the five. Giannis is all, pretty much already a five. Uh, he's just athletic. That's why people put him at four. But he's pretty much a five in today's NBA. There's no there's no stretch four that's gonna, that is now the new universal small ball five that is going to be able to guard Giannis. It's just not going to happen. Giannis is going to dominate you. He bullied Jeff Green. Blake Griffin's about as good as you could do because Blake Griffin's at least strong. But he's not nearly as athletic or as long. So I think they're gonna. he's, he's still got the opportunity. And if he just gets good at the free throw line, because here's the thing. He doesn't even necessarily, I think, have to now develop a three-point jumper. He should still try and do it because that'll just make him even more unguardable. But now if he just focuses on free throws first, like just get free throws out of the way. Just become, and if you look at his stats too, he had a season where he shot 77% and 76% from the free throw line. Like he used to not be a bad free throw shooter. If he becomes a 76 to 80% free throw shooter, he's going to be dominant because then you're going to put him in the post. You don't have to worry about him getting fouled. Uh, it's like Ben Simmons. The reason they still keep him on the, they can't put him in the post because if he gets fouled, like he's shooting 20% from the free throw line in the playoffs. What are you going to do? You're not going to have him do that. Where Giannis, like he's not nearly as bad as, uh, he's not nearly as bad as Ben Simmons, but he's not a good free throw shooter. But if he becomes good, he's going to be dominant and he's going to be, he, you're just not going to be able to stop in the post. Um, but yeah, so I thought he had a very, a very good series. Uh, congratulations to the Bucks. The Nets played well. I'd be a little worried if I was the East next year. Um, the Nets are going to be back. They're going to be, they're going to be good. Um, what else do we got? We got, <clears throat> Oh, I do want to make this one last comparison. Giannis is the new era Shaq. That's what I think he is. For the new era, he's this new dominant big man who can be. I know he doesn't want, I know he wants to try and be a wing player and he wants to learn that step back. And for the most part, I think he can still work to develop that game, but I would get him in the post. I don't think there's a player in the NBA who's as big, strong, as athletic, or as dominant as he is in the post. Now, to save his back, yeah, you still want him to learn an outside game, I think. Um, but good job to the Nets. They played well. The East is probably in trouble next year uh, if they can stay healthy. Um, 
KD showed he's that man. Um, you know, and and they were in all those games. Uh, now, like they were, they really were. Game seven, they they were a KD toe on the line away from uh, going into the going into the uh, next round. Also, another play, KD. KD messed this up. This is where KD fucked up. I, I thought this was a terrible play, and it was weird because he, up until this point, there was not one decision KD had made that I disagreed with. Every decision KD had made up until this point, I was like, great decision. Yes, I wouldn't disagree with that. Even if it was bad, I'd be like, you're in a great, you're in a great flow. Like, I get it. Like, it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad shot. It was maybe a heat check, whatever the case may be. But um, I agreed with every shot he took, except for his last one. Because it just didn't, he got jammed up by, he got jammed up by um, Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday, it was weird because it was like, so he sized him up and then he crossed to his left and then he had his back and Drew Holloway jammed him, and so he did like two back down dribbles going to his left with the ball in his left hand, going to his left, backing down Drew Holiday behind the three-point line. He did two of those dribbles, and then he did a drop step, switched the ball to his right to do a turnaround with his foot on the line again, three, and it just didn't make any sense because he didn't create any space. It was like doing a post move from the three-point line. It was not a good... It just didn't make any sense. And maybe it was because Drew Holiday jammed him up and he just couldn't create that space and he didn't know... He didn't think he had enough time to, like, try and reseparate and attack again. But it was just very un-Durant-like. But um, up until that play, he played great. I thought... I just... I didn't think that was a good shot and he's more than capable of getting a better one-on-one look than that. Um... I thought the the Nets were going to win this after cuz I thought the uh I thought the Bucks did a great job of clawing their way back in. Um I didn't think the Nets were going to win in regulation. Uh I thought the Bucks were playing well. They were making they were just making really smart half-court plays. Um You know, they got lucky. Drew Holiday caught fire late. He had an eight-point sequence where he hit two threes and then a, a layup. But um, yeah, it was just a. It was they got good, but I I thought when they went into overtime and the Bucks couldn't close them out, I was like, oh, all right, well they gas themselves really getting back into this game. Um. The Nets had a lot of opportunities. They couldn't hit shots. They kind of went cold. Um, Bucks snuck it out. But again, sometimes you need a little luck in your run. Remember, I, I've said this a thousand times now. Every now and then, you, like you still need a little bit of luck in your run. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. Next topic of conversation. You guys are gonna hate this. Sixers, Hawks, baby! I fucking told you. I fucking told you. Now, kind of wrong on the fact that the Embiid part, but I was right that it did play a factor. Him being hurt, they're not the same team. Ben Simmons being trash. I'm going to get into that a little later. 
<clears throat> okay, so first, want to start with I'm just going to start with uh, Joel Embiid, trooper for playing through with the t partial torn meniscus, partial or not, partial or full, doesn't matter. That, that's tough business. Congrats to him. I want him to get healthy, stay healthy and in shape this year and this offseason, Embiid. Just stay healthy, recover, take a longer vacation than needed. Don't get vacate like eat well on your vacation. You can drink all that. I know I sound like his dad, right? I'm I'm not even trying to do that. I just the reason I'm saying this is because I really want to see him come back next year and tear it up because this year was the first year that he played like everybody always thought he could. Everyone, the reason people were getting frustrated with him is because we we're like you. You're not playing consistent. You're not playing the way we think you can. You seem to never be in shape. You you're always getting hurt. You're you're not playing even to the level in the games. It seems lazy. Not lazy, actually. That's not true. Because I, the reason I love Embiid is because I feel like he has a good motor. But like, he just wasn't putting it all together. And now it was this was the first season where you're like. Holy shit, this is the guy we all thought he was going to be. Dominant year. I love him. He, he's a competitor. He's a tough guy. He's funny. Uh, he's just a good guy. Um, it, he's one of those guys where you, you root for him. You don't even have to like the team, but you root for him. Um, they really need to help him out there in Philly. And they got the, they've got a good core. Really, just get rid of Simmons. This is where I'm going to go in is on Simmons. It's like, where do you start with him? He has all the tools to be successful. He's 6'9", he's 6'10". He's athletic. He's long. He's got a great IQ for the game, natural IQ. But he puts zero work in. He has zero drive to even want to get better. And you and here's the thing is you were, you'd be like well you think you think you'd be like this is the thing that everyone's probably thinking is like well this is going to be his wake up call it's like motherfucker he's had this the last two playoffs what are you talking about this is what i don't understand is like where people think this is the first playoff season that this has happened it happened in 19 in 2019 it happened last year like where where do you think this is going like how, how do you think the Sixers did, or the Raptors did so well against them. They didn't play them. They fouled them. They didn't play anybody on them. They were able to double team onto Embiid because they could just leave Simmons open. Like, I don't understand where these these people are caught up on it. And he is treated like he is a superstar in the league, and it's like he's not. Like he's he's not. What you got, in my opinion, is a Draymond Green, but worse. Now he's not nearly as good as Draymond Green. Like he's still a good player. I'm not I'm willing to acknowledge that. He does a lot of good things. Here's the thing is Draymond, you leave him open, Draymond can hit a knockdown three. He can hit his fucking free throws. You that's why Draymond can stay in the game. Because Draymond, if he does get fouled, you're not worried he's gonna make his free throws. If he gets left open, he's still a professional athlete who can hit a knockdown wide open three. If you leave Ben Simmons open, you don't even run to close out. You just walk. And then when he fires, you turn around and get the long rebound or the air ball going out of bounds. Here's a great example. Bruce Bowen 
found out in his career, he realized pretty early on what he could be great at. And that was being a defender. He had a talk how to be able to stay on the court because you couldn't keep him on the court because he was just such an offensive liability. So what did he do? He became a lethal, lethal corner, three-point corner shooter. Became lethal, where he was going to hit four, maybe five corner three-pointers throughout the throughout the game. It was all he was going to get. He was only going to make four or five shots, but he gets you 12 points, right? He hit two threes and then a couple mid-range jumpers from the corner. Like, that was his living. And then he was an incredible defender. So he would, and that was how he was able to stay on that floor. Now, that's what Ben Simmons has to do. Problem is, it's like, you know, then he'll put up stuff on his Instagram where he's throwing up a shot, and it's like, that's definitely all for the Instagram because you're not doing it in a game. You're not even attempting it. This is how rattled and shaken he is. He had a wide open dunk. They were down two. It was 90 to 88. I can't remember how much time was left, but it was 90 to 88. And he has a running lane to dunk it. And he goes up and passes it to a cutting Maltese Thibel, Maltese Thibel, Thibel, who is like two feet from him. Thibel goes up, gets fouled, doesn't even try to, tries to, he just gets fouled because they're all over him. Misses first rethrow, hits second, so they're down one. Could have dunked it and tied it. He had, a, he had a literal dunk, and it wasn't like he passed it where it wasn't like he had, you know, you got like, before these guys, if they have a real running start, they you know they can be six feet from the hoop and take off, right? No, it was like he took like three steps. He was pretty close to the fucking rim, and then he dumped it off to somebody else pretty close to the fucking hoop. And he had a dunk. Problem is, is a series like this should embarrass a player like that, who's especially a player who's getting $170 million. It should embarrass a player like that, but I'm not sure he is because... As I go to my earlier point, people are acting like this is the first season he's done this. This was in 2019. They were they were showing that. But anyways, um, so back to my point. So Benson, I mean, he's got to develop something. Um, the the Sixers, I think, need to trade him. The problem is now is who do you trade him to? Because what are you going to get for him? And who wants him? You have a massive contract on a lottery pick who wants to be a star on a team, but how? You know what I mean? And the Sixers, by selling them, are admitting, like, we can't do anything with him. Like, he's busted. Um, We're not going to be able to, like, he's not a fit for us. He can't fit for us. We've done everything we can. You're admitting such by trying to trade him. So it's like, who's going to take him? And you're not going to get a lot for him. So because they know they're eating a massive contract. The other team knows they're eating a massive contract with a a talented player. Don't get me wrong. A very talented player in certain areas. But in the new age basketball, it's very unvaluable. So...
curious to where it's going to go. Um, the Sixers definitely need to make moves. Uh, the last thing I would like to say is congratulations to the Hawks. Trey Young, you know, I'm not a big fan of him, and I, I've had my criticisms of him. Um, but tip the cap to you, man. I mean, dude, dude's not scared, I'll tell you that. I mean, he, he is ready to go. He, I, I don't think he's ever going to win a title being the number one guy. But I tell you this, this guy, that, that cat's fearless. He is fearless. Um, and I give him, I respect that. But I, I hope he, he needs to recognize that he's not a number one. Um, but I think once he does that, if he can recognize that, which will be, it's hard to do, and I get it. You've led the team. You were this big star. You're a number three draft pick. You're now going to the Eastern Conference Final in your first playoffs where you've done really well, it's going to be hard to see the other side. But if he keeps thinking he's number one, he's on Atlanta, he'll never win a title. Um, <clears throat> um, what else? What else? Uh, oh, also about the Hawks, my opinion of them, this is a great run. Uh, next year, I don't expect them to ever go to the Eastern Conference Finals again. I don't even really expect them to make the second round next year. I think there's a good chance, depending on where they go, that they get bounced in the first round. It's not going to be impossible for them to get out of the first round. Say them exiting the first round is a very 50-50 thing. Uh, but, you know, get used to seeing them in the playoffs, that's for sure. Um. This is like when the Atlanta Hawks a couple years ago, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, in my opinion. You're like, ah, oh, it's like a one-time run. Like, things kind of lined up for you. You know, you got out of the first round by an easy first round. Like, let's be honest, they were obviously better than the Knicks. The Knicks aren't there yet. Um, so you knew they were going to get in. They had no business going to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. They got lucky by having a collapse of Ben Simmons just as a basketball player and – Doc not really being able to coach. Uh, I'm, you know, I've said it before with my buddy Mikey. We think he's probably one of the more overrated coaches in NBA history. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just going to be interesting what the Sixers do and the Hawks do next year. They had no business winning that this series, to be honest. Uh, I called it because I just didn't think the the Sixers mentally could do it. Um, you know, they, and they had two games with twenty point leads that they blew, and they, uh, yeah. On to the next uh, Clippers Jazz. What a series of Mitchell falling apart. I fucking told you guys he was shoot himself out of there. He's really into himself. He was selling the ankle. I don't give a fuck what you guys say. He's selling the ankle injury. You want to know why? Because it didn't start hurting him a lot until towards the end of the series when they were losing the series. Oh, but you'll still drop 36, right? Gotcha. Um, it, it was a bad 36. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he... I'm going to go look up what he... What he had for... Because, by the way, they lost. They lost four in a row to the Clippers. Um, 
on 27 shots. He had 39 on 27 shots. He shot 44%, which is okay. It's not good. It's not great. It's okay. Um, we all know what he shot in game six. Okay, I'll show you. I'll show you guys. Don't worry. Because trust me, I would love to talk about him. Six for 19, 21 points. And then the game for that, nine for 26. 37 points, nine for 26 people. Nine for 26. He shot 34%. That's why they lost. Oh, but he had 37 points. Yeah, on terrible shooting. He got to the free throw line a lot. That's why he had so many points. Even the game that they, he, like even this, game three, he shot 45.8. Like it's, that's a good, it's good shooting. It's not like amazing, but. It was exactly what I said would happen. Everybody clapping back saying, oh, look at his first two games. Great. Can he do it for a series? No. And he didn't. He shot terrible for the next four games. So I win once again. Once again, I'm undefeated. You guys all suck. Um, Mitchell's the problem. They need to get rid of him. Or they need to bring somebody in who's way bigger. Problem is Utah's not a... They're not a destination for free agents. So you're not going to be able to bring him in. Uh, he shoots too much. He's full of himself. He's doing a lot of acting. Um, he really is full of himself. Like he always, you can tell he, he, the way he does things, it's always like the cameras are on him, which is smart. So you don't get yourself in trouble, but he's always putting on a show and he thinks he's a star. Like he does like this is, and th this is another thing is like where it's too much of him getting into a, Oh, superstar versus superstar thing. It's like he his offense was they would come down, there would be a screen. As soon as he passed half court and he would run off the screen and he would just pull do a pull up three. And it's like that's your like you want the big Instagram like in your face three. Is that what you're looking for? Like you can't be doing that. You gotta you gotta play smart. Um so yeah, I, I just I I, I Get it. Uh, also, congrats to Paul George. You know, those two games. First of all, Terrence Mann had an incredible game six. Single-handedly brings him back into the game. But Paul George closed it. He he did well. He had a great game six um, or game five. Um, you know, he stumbled in the third and the fourth a little bit, but he, he collected himself, hit some shots late. Um, so he did well, hit some big free throws. Um which is all you can ask for. Um, and then Reggie Jackson, he stepped up huge. Terrence Mann's played really well the last three three games. Um, so the role players really stepping up. When's Kawhi going to be back? I imagine game three. Um, you know, you have the Clippers' sons which just started on Sunday as well, game one. Uh, here's my take on the game. It was a really close game. 
Uh, the Suns played out of their mind, and they played really, 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 really well. And they only won by, I think, like five. So, now, they were out with, they were without Chris Paul. I was actually surprised they did so well. I kind of showed, I was like, all right, well, Chris Paul's not as valuable as you might think. Um... I don't think they could play like that for a whole series without Chris Paul. Certainly two games. I think they'll play good next game, but I don't think they'll play great. I think the Clippers should win next game if Chris Paul is not playing. Um, They shot 56%. They shot like 40 from three. Um, They shot really, really well. Now, here's the thing is Devin Booker also took over in the second half. Um, He had like an 18-point run in the third. And he did the same thing Chris Paul did in... uh, the series with the Nuggets. He literally, they do this screen and roll action where the screener's like a few feet above the three-point line. He comes off of it. You're, you know, you're crossing over. So you're either going left or right or right to left. And as you're going, so say you're going to, you have the ball in your right hand, the screen's coming on your left. You cross over, you're going to your left, rubbing off the, the screen. But then what they're doing is they're, curling it back to the right side of the other side, pretty much on the same side where they started out. And they're just floating it to the elbow. And then they're just reacting to what the player's doing on their hip, waiting for his man to roll into the key, the defender to go with them. And then he keeps the defender on his hip. And then they all just do a turnaround mid-range jumper, which these guys can all hit. Um, and there's no, there's just no adjustment to it. It's like go under the screen, have, have um, instead of chasing him over the screen, go under the screen. Have uh, the big step out and and hedge on him until you get back. That's how you got to defend that. Um, but they just, there was no defensive adjustments there. And then I, I also thought. I thought uh, Lou's adjustments were terrible. You know, going into the fourth quarter, Brooks uh, is uh, Booker's hot. He takes Paul George out, which didn't make any sense. And then he starts with a post entry into uh, Demarcus Cousins. Look, you threw in Demarcus Cousins to shake things up, try and see what you could find. You got eleven points out of him in five minutes. That you got it. Like that's what you got. He's not going to go for twenty. So stop feeding him the ball. If you want to put him out there for defense and rebounding to give your other bigs a break, that's fine. But don't be drawing up plays for him. He he's he, you got what you got. You got what you needed out of him in the first half, and that's what kept you guys in the game. Now they were doing that, and then you had Rondo starting to guard Booker. He he kept playing Rondo. He played Rondo like the last nine minutes. Now Rondo hit some big shots to keep him in there. I don't mind Rondo being in there, but I didn't think you needed to have Rondo in there for the last nine minutes. If you want to bring him in there for a stint, dude, from nine to four minutes, didn't think you needed him in there at the end of the game. Um, I, I'm just not sold on Lou as a coach, but we'll see. Um. Paul George played good again until about the end. He just couldn't hit some shots. I, I thought the, the the Clippers did a lot of settling for jumpers instead of attacking the hoop. They do a lot of one-on-one ball, like somebody will drive, and then they kind of kick it out, and then they reset up, and they do an attack, and they cut if they don't make it. 
it's that's why they, they do a lot of settling for jumpers, which is just not it's a smart offense. Um Yeah. Uh other than that, uh Bucks Hawks preview for the Eastern Conference final, which I think game one is tonight. Let me look. No, there's no basketball tonight, tomorrow. Um you know, I think the I think the Bucks are going to win in five. They're just a better version of the Hawks, in my opinion. They do the same. The, they both want to play high tempo, which just feeds into the, that's exactly what the Bucks want to do, and that's when they're at the best. Because then you have the f- best player going downhill the whole game. Giannis, like expect Giannis to average like thirty five this series. Um, UFC fight night. It's pretty good fight night. Uh. You know, it was a good. There was a lot of finishes. Um, there was a really good fight night. Uh, so the, I'm only going to review the main card. Uh, you had the first card. Um, you know, it was a good one. First fight on it was um, Wellington uh, Truman versus Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva absolutely knocked Truman out. Out, like head on the ground and he's just rocking his jaw and you just see his head just it's not going backwards at at all it's just getting literally punched and smashed into the ground um out cold in the first round i had a feeling bruno was because in the fight preview when they were leading up to the fight they were talking about their backgrounds uh and truman they're like he has no secrets about it he's going to try and wrestle you and do jujitsu on you and grapple with you and bruno was like well you know I, I'm not bad at jujitsu either, and he and I actually had a grappling match a few years ago, and I I, be- I got the best of him in that. So I was like, okay, so this guy's already better than him. Um, so he knocked him out cold. Uh, it was just a dominant win. Bruno Silva, start to finish, was just winning that. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but Song Wu Chow Chiu. But Julian Oroso, uh, Choi, just absolutely murked him with the, just stoned him just stoned him nothing more hard to say than that i mean he's a new prospect that's for sure at featherweight uh it's gonna be good going to be uh he's gonna be good he i'll be interested to see where his career goes after this where he wants to take on and then one of the previews that i started i got wrong uh i thought davy grant would win uh marlon chitavera just did a great fight. I, I thought the first round was pretty close. I thought you could have gone either one. Uh, clearly, I was wrong. Um, they had him winning like 30-27, pretty much all of them. Uh, he, he just dominated Davy Grant, especially in the third round. Um, from second and third, it was very clear uh, Chito Vera was winning. Um, congratulations to him. He has to move up a little bit. He's going to get a higher rank. Um you know, sick leg sleeve too. One of the best looking leg tats I've ever seen. It's just beautiful. Um, so I'm always a fan of that. I love the tats. So whenever I see you really tatted out dudes, I always love to cheer for them. Um, second uh, co-main event, heavyweight bout between Linsky, Olenek, and uh, Spivak. Like I said, Spivak won this. Um, I thought he was going to knock him out. 
But it is hard because uh, Olenek does the same thing every time. It's wild haymaker, wild haymaker, wild haymaker, shoot. Wild haymaker, wild haymaker, wild haymaker, shoot. And it's the same thing, and he just tries to get you to the ground. It's nothing special. It's If you go look at any of Olenek's fights, it, he does the same thing every fight. One, two, three, shoot. One, two, three, shoot. One, two, three, shoot. One, two, three, shoot. That's what he does. Spivak did good off his back. Spivak did good getting up, did good keeping the wrestling there. Um, and then he just kind of pieced him up throughout the uh, fight. It was a good one. It was a good fight um, for Spivak. He won that. It's exactly what I called. Um, I think I got this one wrong. I wanted Chan Shun. Uh, I wanted Korean Zombie. Um uh, but I thought Dan Ng would win. Now Korean Zombie's chin looks fine. Uh, he hit Dan with some good, some good shots. Um, it was a close fight. You could tell it was. It was one of those things. It was like as soon as Dan got any momentum, the Korean Zombie would like take him down, or he would change levels, uh, or he would change just strategies up a little bit. Um, like instead of countering, he'd go on the attack. Uh, or he would shoot, and then he did a lot of jiu-jitsu with them as well. Great jiu-jitsu. Um, dominated him in the jiu-jitsu area, grappling. It was just a dominant win. Um, I was surprised at one of... I thought he won four of the rounds. I I thought you could have possibly given the first round to Dan Ying. Um, I had it Dan Ying. Uh, very close. Uh, the reason I gave it to Dan Ying actually literally with the only reason I gave it to Dan Ying is I thought he was the one pushing forward in the first round. I thought uh Korean Zombie out of the striking had the better strikes, but Ying was pushing the pace, um doing some shooting. So I, I thought that's why I gave Dan the first round, but then I thought he won the next four. Um and I thought it was very, very blatantly obvious. I don't know how one of the refs gave Dan two rounds. I don't. I don't know another round that you saw there. Like, like even what in the fifth because he got he rocked a Korean zombie. Korean zombie took him down and dominated him on the ground for the next like four minutes. Um, and he still got some shots in there too. He'd need him in the face crazy hard at the end too. Almost KO'd him. Um, There's a dominant fight. So what's next for him uh, at featherweight? You know what do you got? You have. The uh, Brian Ortega, Volkanovski, you know, already in there. Uh, Max Holloway is always a great contender. I know he called him out, but Max, I think is, I think Max is kind of looking for that title match after he what he just did to Cater. Um, who was he supposed to fight? Oh, Yair Rodriguez. Um, should have been a great fight. Very disappointed he had to pull out of that. Um, but I mean, also I think he wanted it's a title fight, and I think that's smart. He isn't he doesn't need to fight Yair. Yair dropped from the rankings from inactivity. Um, so who? I mean, it's like who do you feed him next? Like, look at the. Because, like, look who's above him. It's not very many people. It's No, Yair's still there. But it's Yair, Brian Ortega, and Max Holloway are the only people ahead of him. So who's he going to take next? You're going to have a rematch between him and Yair? Okay, maybe. 
Brian Ortega already beat him. That's why he got the title fight. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. We got a lot of interesting stuff here, man. Um, But anyways, um, Paul Craig up to two. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, that's it for me today, folks. Um, sorry it took so long. A lot of pausing. Uh, Burnett. Hope everybody has a wonderful, lovely day. And uh, happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, I feel like fathers are a little underappreciated on this day. Um, just know that, uh, I think having a good father figure in your life is always key to being uh, a successful person in this, in this world. Um, you know, I think a, a connection between a, a mother and a child is something that a father will never know, but I think the same thing about, what a father means to a family, um, you know, families without a father versus families with a father. I think, uh, there's a huge difference. Um, so great appreciation for all the fathers out there and, uh, hug them close when, uh, whenever you can. Um, all right. Love y'all. Y'all have a good one.